Welcome to the Life Church. We are so excited that you've tuned into our program to listen to a wonderful message. On behalf of Pastor Walt Landers, our senior pastor, we just want to say thank you. Our mission here at the Life Church is to connect people with God's purpose. If you don't already have a church home, we want to invite you to join us at 3301 TLC Way. Now let's prepare our hearts to receive a word from God through this morning's message. Well, again, we want to thank everyone for being here this morning. It's a great morning to be in the house of the Lord. Pastor Walt, Miss Joanne, they're not here this morning. They're off with some friends just relaxing and fellowshipping. But we've got an honor. We've got someone that's been part of the team since January. And their ministry is in Mexico, but he's come. He's helping Pastor Walt and the team in construction. And he's going to talk a little more about that here in a second. But can we welcome Don Crabtree as he proclaims the word of God this morning? Good morning, Life Church. What's up? <laughs> what a great day to be alive, amen? I'm, I'm, uh, I have to be honest with you, uh, starting to get kind of a complex around here. People walk in off the street and everybody says, Welcome to Life Church. I walk in and they say, What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. So we've been hanging around here since January, as Pastor Jimmy said, and uh, having fun building buildings and tearing stuff up and, and uh, just enjoying the blessings of God. My wife, uh, Amy, and I have been full-time missionaries in Mexico, and we're now in our 27th year, and uh, we're kind of on a little respite, sort of, kind of. Uh, she's uh, about to preach right now, and she is preaching right now in Eagle Pass, and uh, we're usually back and forth uh, every weekend, and that's why you only see us here through the week. And so uh, it's just a real honor uh, to be part of this team. Uh, God's doing some wonderful things right here in San Angelo, Texas, but not just right here in San Angelo, but out of here. And so we're just excited about all the things that are going on and the the outreach ministries, and uh, God is good. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, for the last three weeks, I believe, I've been going through the series on Matthew chapter 6. Any of you remember uh, some of those messages? Three or four weeks, actually. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, But uh, I want to take Matthew here this morning, Matthew chapter 6, and kind of use this as a springboard to hopefully get where I'm going today. Now, I was just so thankful. Jesse whipped out some Spanish for us here this morning. I heard that first song in Spanish in the first service, and I had to do a double take. I had to uh, uh, kind of figure out where I was at. I, for, there for a minute, I was translated down to the border. And uh, so we're going to be talking a little bit today about the language of heaven. And so I want to use Matthew chapter 6 to try to get where I'm going. So bear with me, pray with me, and uh, help me keep an eye on the clock. So uh, I don't typically uh, preach twice uh, in two different uh, uh services on a Sunday, but I do preach uh, the same message twice. I just preach it once in English and once in Spanish, and I translate myself. So if you catch me all of a sudden preaching in Spanish, don't worry, I'll get back around and we'll go from there. So I, 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 I should say, though, I preached in English in the first service, so maybe by default I should just pick Spanish up for this service. We're going to vote. How, how many of you would like to hear a sermon in Spanish this morning? ¿Cuántos quisieron oír el sermón en español hoy? ¿Unos cuantos? Miren nomás. Dios bendice los, los eh, hispanohablantes hoy. Aleluya. Well, 
I'll, uh, I'll, I'll resist the temptation. Uh, for about 24 of my 27 years in Mexico, about 95% of my preaching was all in Spanish. And so for the longest time, when I would go somewhere else to preach, I'd get vapor locked and I'd have to kind of pound myself on the head and knock some of the words loose. So if you see me hitting myself up here this morning, it's not because uh, I'm uh, uh, weird or anything. Well, maybe I'm weird, but that's not why. So praise the Lord. Well, uh, in Matthew chapter six, and I'm sure that you have all of your notes uh, from this past series. And uh, I, I think we could basically break it down uh, to six, uh, five different, uh, different uh, portions from Matthew chapter six. And so uh, in uh, verses one through four, Jesus talked about when you give. Then in uh, verses five through 14, he said, when you pray. And then in verses 16 through 18, he said, when you fast. And then in verses 19 through 24, he said, when you store. And then in verses 25 through 34, he said, when you seek. Now, I trust that everybody that's here today are practicing these things in their life. Are you praying? Are you fasting? Are you seeking the Lord? Are you saving up and preparing for uh, the next adventure that God has in your life? Are you doing these things? I trust that you are. But I really want to focus in on something here today, and I want to see a a, a paradigm shift. I want you to see where God is doing something different. And I really believe that one of the reasons that Jesus is teaching uh, this particular uh, passage here is so that we can understand the language of heaven. Uh, I'm curious to know today if there's anybody here who speaks more uh, three or more languages. Is there anybody here that speaks three or more languages? Yeah, praise God. That's awesome. Uh, what do you call somebody who speaks three languages? Who can tell me? They are multi, but trilingual. Somebody who speaks two languages would make them bilingual. And what do you call somebody who speaks one language? American. That's right, American. <laughs> Well, I believe that God wants us to learn a new language here today, and I believe that God wants us to learn, uh, I just came up with this today, heavenese. How about heavenese? God wants us to learn the language of heaven. God wants us to be on the same page with him. God wants us to be able to hear his voice and respond to him, and not just respond to him, but to be able to respond to to others who are around us. And I really believe that right here in Matthew 6, right in the middle of this uh, text in the Lord's Prayer, or as they say in Mexico, the Disciples' Prayer, uh, we find what the real purpose of this second language, if you will, that God wants us to acquire. And that's in verse 10. And this is where Jesus said, we should pray this way, your kingdom come, your kingdom, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How many of you know that God wants us to manifest the kingdom of heaven right here on the earth? I believe that's God's plan for each and every one of us. I believe that's God's plan for our families. I believe that's God's plan for our neighbors, for our co-workers, for every human being on the face of the earth. I believe that God wants to manifest himself to each 
in every one of us. So, I guess maybe we should have um, Heavenese classes today. How about that? Who wants to sign up for Heavenese? Let's, let's make, uh, let's see, we, we call English second language ESL. Let's make this HSL, Heaven second language. How about that? As a matter of fact, I think we should be striving, each one of us, to make heaven our first language. How about that? They always say, linguists say that the best time to learn your second language is before you learn your first language. And so we knew that uh, going into the childbearing years, uh, uh, my wife and I, and so we purposely spoke to our children in both uh, English and Spanish because the first year of your life is uh, just simply observing, uh, having sound waves bounce off of your diaphragm, your, your uh, eardrums, and your motor skills are being set. And so the best time to learn your second language is before you learn your first. So let's go to work on heavenese. How about that? Now, I want to go to uh, 2 Corinthians, and I don't know. I've been teetering here as to whether or not they have a little mercy on you. I was pretty hard on them in the first service. Uh, we'll just see how this goes. What do you think? I really believe that here in uh, 2 Corinthians, the writing of Paul is going to give us some instruction about acquiring uh, this second language, about heavenese actually becoming our native tongue. Do you remember that uh, Jesus, when he spoke about uh, the devil in John chapter 8, uh, he said, he told the Pharisees, he says, you speak uh, uh, your, your father's language, the devil. And he said, when he speaks, he speaks his native tongue. Do you know what the devil's native tongue is? It's nothing but lies and deceit. It's nothing but uh, ripping you off, and that's what he's all about. But God wants us to learn from our heavenly Father. So um, 2 Corinthians, and we'll look at uh, chapter 3. <clears throat> Let me take a drink of water. Daniel knows what that means. Ah, so there was this Bible salesman, right? And he was, uh, he had a speech impediment. And, but he sold Bibles like you wouldn't believe. Case after case after case. So one day, the manager calls him in and he says, how do you do this? He says, you're out selling Bibles uh, by far of anybody else. And he says, well, 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 it's real, real simple. And the manager says, really? How simple is it? He says, well, well I just n- n- knock on the d- door and I, I ask, do you want to b- b- buy a Bible? Or do you want me to read it to you? (laughs) So I'm going to read the Bible to you this morning. Imagine that, reading the Bible in church. How about that? And so if you listen uh, to uh, the Bible online, you know that it starts something like this. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence 
comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, it came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness for what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away, but their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we see Uh, We who with uh, unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Chapter 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscious in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is, in, uh, is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. 
Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Father, I ask you today to give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Lord, open our eyes. Take the veil off of our hearts and off of our minds that the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ might shine in our hearts, Lord, and then go forth into the rest of the world in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. I believe that Jesus is trying to teach us something new. Jesus is trying to take us to a new place. You see, if you dominate one language, that's fine. You can influence the people that are around you. But if you speak another language, you can influence more people that are around you. And if you learn the language of heaven, you can begin to manifest the kingdom of heaven around you. And you can see the miracles that Jesus wants us to be performing. You see, there's a doctrine called cessationism. And cessationism says that God doesn't speak anymore, that God doesn't do miracles anymore, that uh, all those supernatural things have ceased. How many of you know that that's a lie from the devil? God is still speaking to his people today. God is always looking for someone that he can speak to and that they will listen to him and that they will respond to what it is that he is trying to impulse them to do. James said that we should not be hearers only of the word but we should also be doers. And I believe that God is shifting a paradigm for the church today for us to understand that we can hear and we can do. I believe God's will is that we should always be doing his will. So I wanna pick up on this text that Paul has laid out here. I wanna pick up on the language of this text because he's very clearly pointing to us how that God was attempting to speak to man. You see, he talks about the tablets of stone. He talks about the veil. And we know that for 430 years, the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. And then God spoke to a man and God raised up a man and it had even been prophesied that they would be 430 years in slavery in Egypt. But because God spoke to a man and that man responded to the voice of God, the, the children of Israel, and the Bible tells us that on the very anniversary of 430 years, two and a half to four million people walked in rank and file out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses who had heard the voice of God. So for 49 days, 49 days, they walked through the desert. They did all the wonderful things that happened there all the miracles, and on the 50th day, the day of Pentecost, Moses is on top of Mount Sinai, and he gets God's first attempt to communicate with man again. 
You see, it all started in the garden. God used to stroll in the cool of the evening with Adam, and they would talk and they would converse. But then because of sin, they were expelled from the garden, and God could no longer speak to man. But now God is reaching out again. How many of you know God is always reaching out to men? And here's God reaching out to man. And so uh, uh, God produces these two tablets of stone. And somebody once said that, that Moses surely was a surfer dude because he was hanging 10. And so here comes Moses. He's got those tablets and he's going to bring that down. And uh, God's trying to speak. But it says later that the people couldn't look at Moses because of the glory that radiated from his face. And the people didn't even want to hear. They told Moses, you go up, you talk to God, and you tell us. They were fearful of God. They were afraid. And so when Moses would come down, his face would be radiating, and they couldn't look at it, so he had to put a veil over his face. And Paul talked about the veil He talked about the intent of God to communicate with man. So this veil now has become a buffer. It's become a a, a way that God can still get something out there for mankind and yet not overwhelm them. How many of you know God is not into overwhelming us? The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. God reaches out to us. He wants to help us. Believe me, God wants to help you today. But because they couldn't take it, because of their, their sinful nature, because of their uh, uh, lack of, of, of having communication with God, God gives them the buffer of this veil. And this sets forth the pattern that's going to continue now throughout the Old Testament. So we see that the veil began with Moses, but we also know that God had given Moses instructions on the mountain that he should build a tabernacle and there hang a veil that would separate the holy place from the most holy place. And so this pattern began that one time on the day of atonement, one time, one man would enter in to the holy of holies to give the sacrifice. And if everything was done in accordance to the command of God, and if everything was just so, when he would pour out the blood from the sacrificial lamb onto the coals that were on the mercy seat, then that uh, aroma would rise up and it says that God was pleased with their sacrifice. And when that happened, the glory of God would descend over the tabernacle and the nations around would shake and tremble because they knew that the living God was with Israel. And so this veil continues. We fast forward and we see it again. In Matthew chapter 27, it says that on the day that Jesus was crucified, the veil in the temple. It says that the, that the earth shook and the veil was torn from top to bottom. You see, what once served as a buffer for God to try to communicate with his people has now been ripped from top to bottom. They tell us that the, the, the uh, veil was probably as thick as the width of a man's hand. And God himself has ripped that veil from top to bottom, signifying that somehow now he wanted to give access into his very presence to mankind. God himself tore it. God wants to speak. 
there's a phenomenon that, occur, that occurs in what is known as the study of second language acquisition. Second language acquisition. That is the, uh, the attempt to try to obtain another language. And so in the transcourse of learning a second language, linguists tell us that when you get to about 3,000 vocabulary words, you've hit a certain level. When you get to about 6,000 vocabulary words in your second language, you hit another level. When you get to 9,000 vocabulary words in your second language, you are well on your way to fluency. But this phenomenon occurs, and they've studied it over and over again. There's a phenomenon that occurs that when someone engages in the process of second language acquisition, for some reason, they hit this wall. And this wall is called, uh, it's called interlanguage fossilization. Interlanguage fossilization. And it's that place that you come when you just, for some reason, decide that you can't go any further. And they've studied it, and they've studied it, and they've studied it. They've watched it in adults. They've watched it in children. And, the, and all linguists agree that the phenomenon of interlanguage fossilization does not occur because they can't do it. It occurs because they just simply won't do it. In other words, you get to this place where you just don't want to do it any longer. Now, fossil, by definition, is simply this. It is a once living organism that could not make the transition under great pressure. I'm going to say it again. A fossil is, by definition, a once living organism that could not make the transition under great pressure. I'm sure all of you have seen the, uh, the rocks that have the, the shell and the centipede, and, and you can just see, you're just like, wow, this is so very clear that this used to be whatever it was. And I want to disclose to you today, I want to submit for your, for your, uh, uh, your scrutiny that I believe that the church, this postmodern post-Pentecostal church that we form a part of is in grave danger of fossilization. And I say that because God is trying to make a shift. God is trying to bring us into a new era. God uh, 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 made it very clear, Jesus made it very clear in Matthew chapter 6 that all of the ways that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the pagans did everything, was not getting it done. And he wanted a new way of things being done. And so God today is still saying the same thing. He's looking for the kingdom of heaven to be manifest in the earth, just like it happens every day in heaven. And so God's trying to make this paradigm shift. God is trying to give us this second language. God is trying to help us get over the hump in second language acquisition. But you and I have to make up our mind that we're not going to be lazy. We're not gonna sit on our blessed assurance and be happy and content with what we have. We're going to press in and we're gonna learn heavenese. We're gonna acquire this next language that God is pressing us to take hold of. 
The Apostle Paul made it very clear. He made it very clear that the suffering, everything that he was going through, everything that they, the the persecution, all the things that they went through, he said, this is for your benefit. And you see, we've got to understand that this salvation that you and I enjoy is a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. We can come together and we can sing in English and we can sing in Spanish and we can shout hallelujah and we can go home and we can be blessed and and we can do all those wonderful things. But you know what? It's not just about you. It's not just about uh, what, how, what all you can get for your own life, but it's about blessing other people. That's why Jesus said that we would bless every nation. We would take the, the, the gospel to every nation. Abraham would be a blessing to all nations, and we are that seed. We are the chosen ones. And God is trying to impart that language of heaven to you and I. That's what he wants. He wants us to be able to manifest that. You see, the problem is, is we get stuck. We come to that place where we don't want to suffer anymore. We got that language down real good, don't we? Oh, let me just tell you about my back pain or, or I just recently came through this kidney issue. Uh, you know, we, we, we just, we've got this whole complaining thing down. But Paul talked about the boldness of speech that we should be using. And you know something? We have to understand God is not mad at people. God loves us. God cares for us. And you know, uh, for so long, we've been spreading this gospel of judgment and this gospel of, of, of uh, you know, God being angry with people. And it, that's just not, if you read the love letter that God has written to you and I, you'll see that he cares for each and every one of us. God wants to do something in your life. But we have got to change our attitude. We've got to change the way that we speak. We've got to engage people with the language of heaven. Jesus said that the things that I do, you will do also. He said, but because I'm going to be with the Father, you're going to do even more, greater things, he said. And the multiplication of greater things happens when you and I leave out of these doors and we take the blessing that God has imparted to us and we begin to spread the love and give the heaven ease that God has given us to other people. And they begin to pick up on the fact that God loves them, that God cares for them. And they begin to see a difference in you and you can take this heaven ease out and you can bless other people and they in turn can be blessed. And so the multiplication takes place. You see, if you and you and you and you can reach someone else and then they reach someone else, you see how the multiplication factor increases. Jesus said greater things. There's more in quantity that he wants us to do. He wants us to wrought miracles. He wants us to raise the dead. All those things should still be in place. They never stopped. Do you know who stopped? The church. The church got comfortable. The church got fossilized. The church in this this, uh, 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 second language acquisition hit the wall in interlanguage fossilization. God wants to break you out of that mold today. God wants to bring you into a place of blessing. 
that not only will you be blessed in your own life, but that you can bless others. You can give to others. You can help others. You can teach others. You can train others. I want you to stand to your feet here today as the musicians come. Don't buy into this business that God is angry. Don't buy into this business that God doesn't want to speak to you. He wants to speak to every one of us. That's why it tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 that that veil was Jesus' own flesh. His flesh was torn from 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 the crown of thorns on his head down to his pierced feet. The veil of his flesh was ripped and torn. And then it tells us in verse 25 that we shouldn't neglect coming together as others have as their custom. I have decided that the most important part of my life, my Christian life, is coming to church. You hear it all the time. People will say, oh, you don't have to go to church to serve God. You don't have to go to church to be saved. I want to challenge you. Read Hebrews chapter 10 and begin to understand that what happens when you form a part of a community, when you form a part of a group who speaks the same language that you do, who is challenging you to move forward and to do greater things for God, you will see the kingdom of heaven manifest around you. You have to remember it's not about you. Bedside Baptist services are not going to help you. You need to be with the people of God. We've got all kinds of small groups going on around here. We are a church of small groups. We need each other. The cells in our body have to be connected to the other cells. That's the way it is in church life. You need to be here. You need to be a part of what God's doing. You learn your second language by hearing other people speak it. Heaven ease needs to be high on your agenda. God wants to use your life. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's program at The Life Church. Our prayer is that you've been blessed by this morning's message and that God would continue to speak into your heart throughout the week. We are so excited about what God is doing right here at The Life Church as we connect people with God's purpose. Again, if you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us for a visit at 3301 TLC Way. We have two Sunday morning services for you to choose from, 9.15 and 11 a.m. Again, our prayer is that you've been blessed and we hope you have a great week.